All right, here we are, ready to do another Tim Talk. Thank you again for listening to these talks. It means a lot. Um, I want to entitle this one, there's a saying that was written by a, it was written by a great comedian when I was growing up named Henry Gibson. And he wrote, and so the title will be something like, like it'll be this title. Strange that man should make up lists of living things in danger. Why he fails to list himself is really even stranger. Now think about that. Oh my gosh. And it's true. We, we think about right now, right now, I, I re recently read in one of my um, nature uh, magazines that one million, one million animals are on the edge of extinction right now due to human causes. I mean, that just literally blows my mind. And it, I just got to take a moment to grieve. I mean, I, you think about that. And, and um, I actually have a book here in my, my nature library. Uh, a photographer named Joel Satori has spent his career photographing just the faces and the bodies of animals that are on the edge of extinction. And it's a National Geographic book. And I look at the, into the eyes of these animals. And I think... It's so unnecessary. You know, and there's been past extinctions to our planet due to volcanic eruptions, due to nature climate change, due to asteroids hitting the Earth when the dinosaurs went. And these are things that just couldn't be avoided. But I think what brings up so much grief for me is that I truly believe humans are Earth caretakers in our, when we're at our best. We are caretakers of the Earth when we come from our heart and kindness and love. We are we are the best we can be. That's when we are the best we can be. And that's what we're meant to do. And in the process of finding ourselves, uh, we've put so many animals on the verge of extinction. And I can remember back to my childhood when I was around 10, 11, 12. I read a number of books on extinction that really moved and motivated me to get on the path of an earth caretaker and to become a teacher of nature. And one of the books was called The Great Auk. And it was about, it was a, it was a, it was a story written about a family of great auks. Now, The Great Auk was, was a, a, about a three-foot-tall, flightless bird that lived in the North Atlantic on islands. Um, and I mean flightless, okay? So keep that in mind. But when it swam in the water and dived for fish to eat, it was breathtakingly agile. It flew under the water. And they lived on these islands. And it was in the middle of the 1600s, ships would land on these islands and kill the birds and boil them down for oil and for food. And literally the birds couldn't escape. So unless they could jump in the water, uh, the sailors would come up from the boats and they'd walk in long lines, arm in arm, and just surround the birds and club them to death. And it, until the last bird, and they actually were able in this book to, uh, 
to, to find the situation where the last two great auks and their babies, their eggs, were crushed and the birds were killed by a Swedish uh, sailor. And that was the end of, the end of them forever. And they were a huge population of birds. And I think as Earth caretakers, we've animals from then all the way to now that have become extinct, and there's many. It's on our watch. We've failed them. It's not the other way around. They're not putting us in danger. They're not bringing us to extinction. We've done that to them. And it just grieve, I grieve for the sadness, not only for the animals, which is huge feeling of sadness, but I'm sad that we humans have done this because it's a wound to our souls and we don't even know it, most of us. We carry around the weight of the damage that we've done. And I'm not even going right now on what we've done to fellow humans. That's a whole nother story that's overwhelming. And I mean overwhelming. And yet we have the goodness in us to change it all, to care for the earth, to care for each other, and to be just wonderful, wonderful beings, which is, I think, what spirit meant for us to be. We're finding ourselves, but in the process, what mayhem. So as I go back again, I, I want to take, take you on another journey back to when I was a kid, back when I talked, I read about the great auk. And another one that really affected me hugely was this bird called the passenger pigeon. Some of you may have heard about it. And if you haven't heard about it, if you haven't heard about the passenger pigeon, then that is sad too. That we've, 200 years later, they died off in the early 1800s. Uh, 200 years later, they've just simply been forgotten. That's a sad thing. The passenger pigeon was somewhere around a population. Now, get this, 5 billion birds. That's just an estimate. No one really knew how, to, how you could calculate that, but it's probably pretty true. They literally would fly up and down the Mississippi River, across the East Coast, all through the, the that area, the East, Southeast, Northeast. And literally, they would darken the sky, there'd be so many of them flying, for sometimes minutes. They'd block out the sun. And they, one of their nesting sites along the upper Missouri River was literally 800 miles of in cottonwood trees along the Missouri River of nests of birds, 800 miles long. And people used to sit on their roofs in their front yards, and when the birds would fly over, they'd shoot them for hours and let the bodies pile up. They wouldn't even eat them. They killed them almost always just for fun. Once in a while, they might eat them but it was more than anything just for fun. Till the last one, the last one, I think I, if I have this date right, was in captivity uh, in the Cincinnati Zoo and it died. Her name was Martha and she died. And when Martha died in 1918, Cincinnati Zoo, that was the end of the passenger pigeon. And when you think about how many other animals depended on them for food? Birds of prey and uh, just what their their poop did for helping trees to grow in their nesting areas. And you think about all the other animals that somehow or another 
their lives depended on the passenger pigeon and the concentric rings that went out when they died, the loss. It's just stunningly overwhelming. And yet back then, no one probably cared except for a few nature lovers and bird people. Most just, it, it just disappeared. And I remember back when I was, um, oh, 20 years ago or so, I took one of my, one of my, uh, grand, my godsons to Washington, D.C. for a week. We went to every possible museum and place you could. And we went into the Museum of Natural History and I saw a stuffed passenger pigeon. And it just reminded me of, of what happened to them. And the story of the passenger pigeon and the gray duck and a few others motivated me when I was a kid to get on the path of being an earth caretaker and fighting for the earth. I also fought hard because I, I loved wolves and wolves were just systematically wiped out on purpose, calculatedly so, uh, from most of the lower United States. Um, even in Alaska, they worked hard at it, but it was wilder. And I loved wolves. I'd been around dogs my whole life and I had a good feeling for them. And that really motivated me too. But I guess the point of this Tim talk is just, just to tell the truth first and understand really, not from a shaming point of view, but what we humans have done and are doing still. And why we haven't learned the lesson in 200 years. Why we haven't. But really, we have to learn it. If we don't, start to care for the earth and think about these other animals. It's like the great story you hear about when miners would take a canary into a coal mine and if the canary died, it was because the air was becoming unbreathable and it gave the miners a chance to get out because the bird was more sensitive. This is what's happening right now. These endangered species are simply saying to us what Henry Gibson said. I'll read it again. Strange that man should make up lists of living things in danger. Why he fails to list himself is really even stranger. <laughs> that says it all. We're there right now. And while some of us may live into the future if we don't do anything, it's going to be a very uh, strange place to live, very different than we know now. We are at a turning point in human history on the earth. And it's time for us to wake up from our deep sleep and go to action for the planet and thus for all living things, the living planet itself, and thus for us and our friends and our families and our communities and our countries. It's the time. The good news is we know what to do. We can do it. What's it going to take to get us off our butts? Hope.